1: Welcome to the New Books Network.
0: Welcome to New Books in Women's History, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Jane Semecka, professor of history at Brookdale Community College. Today, we'll be discussing a new book by Kristen Waters titled Mariah W. Stewart and the Roots of Black Political Thought, published by University of Mississippi Press. My guest, Kristen Waters, is a professor emerita at Worcester State University and scholar at the Women's Studies Research Center at Brandeis University. She is also the author of the book, Women and Men Political Theorists, Enlightened Conversations, and co-editor of Black Women's Intellectual Traditions, Speaking Their Minds, which received the Letitia Woods Brown Award from the Association of Black Women Historians and was named to the list of 50 recommended reads on black feminism. Dr. Waters, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jane,
1: and to the New Books Network uh, for the opportunity to raise raise awareness of a much neglected and important figure in history. And thanks to the University Press of Mississippi for publishing the book. How did you come to write about
0: Mariah W. Stewart?
1: Okay, my long standing relationship with Mariah W. Stewart. Let's see. Uh, Well, as an undergraduate, graduate student, I managed to land three academic degrees having learned almost nothing about women in history, the arts, philosophy, society, and so on. That's 10 years of academic training. After that, thanks to the women's studies movement, I became intensely interested in the lives of accomplished women and also, um, you know, of of women in our everyday lives. This brought me to a book, Mariah W. Stewart, the first black woman political theorist edited by Marilyn Richardson, a book about an African-American woman who wrote important essays on black civil rights, women's rights uh, in the 1830s. I was shocked and I devoured that book and I've been writing about Stewart ever since. She appears in all three of my published books but this new one focuses directly on uh, on Mariah Stewart.
0: Throughout the book, you use the term epistemicide. Can you tell us how this term is important to your thesis? Sure. Um, Epistemicide,
1: uh, like homicide, is uh, about deliberately obliterating or murdering something. In this case, knowledge, knowledge from the Greek word episteme in um, intellectual recovery work, once you begin to realize the degree to which work by women, African-Americans, and other marginalized groups has been disappeared, it occurs to you that this isn't accidental. It's deliberate uh, because these stories don't fit into the story that people in power want to tell. Uh, When Stewart's essays were ignored for for decades you know she she actually republished them in 1879 saying the work was suppressed for 46 years and then uh they were suppressed for another 100 years that's epistemicide that's murdering knowledge in order to maintain the myth that black women hadn't written anything important my thesis is not just the uh, is it not just Stewart but You know, millions of Americans have been working for abolition since the beginning of slavery. And that hundreds of thousands have been writing and preaching about abolition. Um, All that activism and intellectual history has been deliberately suppressed. Note that um, epistemic violence is ongoing today. When, you know, 48 states have introduced or passed legislation to prohibit teaching about racism in public schools. That's happening today. We are still suppressing knowledge of racism by, for example, censoring critical race theory, uh, the 1619 Project, um, Toni Morrison's novels, and and, so much more. That's epistemicide.
0: Oh, yes, that's it's so important. And, and Mar- Mariah W. Stewart writes her own brief summary of her life. And I want to just read a quote from it here. Quote, I was born in Hartford, Connecticut in 1803, was left an orphan at five years of age, was bound out in a clergyman's family, had the seeds of piety and virtue early sown in my mind but was deprived of the advantages of education, though my soul thirsted for knowledge, left them at 15 years of age, attended Sabbath schools until I was 20. In 1826, was married to James W. Stewart, was left a widow in 1829, was, as I humbly hope and trust, brought to the knowledge of the truth as it is in Jesus in 1830. In 1831, Made a public profession of my faith in Christ. End quote. This autobiography serves as a framework for this book. How does her life story shape your book? Well, Jane, thank you for
1: reading that. Um, Is that a beautifully encapsulated little biographical piece that that she's written? She she tells so much in that little paragraph. Um, I tell Mariah Stewart's story in the context of African American lives and lives and activism from the earliest days until about 1835, although it resonates certainly for today. Uh, it involves telling about the origins of the slave trade, um, investigating Stuart's parents' lives as enslaved people in Greenwich, Connecticut, exploring the harsh realities of domestic labor, and then fleshing out the influential movements in Boston. Uh, for example, um, <clears throat> there was a prominent Black Masonic movement in the late 1700s that's still going strong today, but that was an activist movement. There was the formation of the Massachusetts uh, General Colored Association. There was the Black Baptist movement that was very powerful. Um, There were newspapers like Freedom's Journal. Uh, So I tell the whole sort of cultural milieu of um, Mariah Stewart's time in in Boston and in other places in her life. It also means telling about how she was cheated out of a significant inheritance by unscrupulous whites, leaving her destitute and in poverty for the rest of her life when her husband, in fact, had been quite a wealthy shipping merchant.
0: That leads to my next question. Mariah W. Stewart was an indentured servant, but she becomes a writer and a lecturer. Can you explain how she becomes an important voice in the fight for freedom and equality? Well, you know,
1: Mariah W. Stewart was a brilliant thinker and writer uh, from the beginning. Um, She's fiercely critical of the lack of education that she received as a child. But like so many other luminaries, think of uh, Frederick Douglass. uh, And I was also thinking since the the passing recently of Sidney Poitier, And he tells a story about being a dishwasher as a as a teenager and not learning how to read, not knowing how to read. And and a a waiter taking, you know, pity on him and teaching him at, you know, a relatively late age how to how to read. So preventing people from reading is so important. She scratched out an education um, and became an avid reader and thinker and writer. And also she acutely felt the injustices that were heaped upon her and others because of their race and gender. That really distinguishes her. So timing is everything. She landed in Boston at a peak of black civil rights activism, fighting for freedom and equality. And
0: she found her voice there. You make interesting points about the impact of Christianity and the enlightenment on Stewart's view on race, politics, and gender. Can you tell us about the importance of religion and enlightenment in her life and philosophy?
1: Well, Stuart was a deeply religious person and she was made more so by the many hardships she faced. Uh, She was well-versed in the Bible. um, And uh, she used the stories from the Bible, Jeremiah, Deborah, Israel, and the Egyptians uh, to, to educate her readers and her listeners. Her faith gave her strength to fearlessly speak uh, what we today call truth to power because it removed her fear of death. That's really important for Stuart. And it allowed her to speak publicly at a time when women were not supposed to do so. And she fused this with the kind of enlightenment philosophy that was in the air at the time.
0: Stewart was influenced by several people, such as her husband, as well as David Walker and William Lloyd Garrison. How did they shape her views on black liberation and freedom? Yeah,
1: that's so interesting. Um, I don't know you know, how much uh, your listeners will know this, but um, one of the most famous abolitionist tracks of the 19th century is David Walker's. He wrote in, 19, in 1829, excuse me, 1829, An appeal to the colored citizens of the world. And he argued for global racial liberation, 1829. This was 20 years before Marx and Engels wrote the Communist Manifesto. Of course, Marx uh, was addressing class liberation and Walker was addressing race liberation, but certainly there's an affinity there. Uh, So um, Walker attacked slavery, white supremacy roadblocks to education um, and the hypocritical forms of Christianity that were used to institutionalize the cruelest forms of of racism, um, slavery. He and Stuart were friends um, and his writing, um, you know, as she might say, set her on fire to write and speak about uh, freedom and equality. Uh, I can also address uh, from your question. Um, her husband was a tremendous influence. He was a merchant sailor, later a seaman in the War of 1812, and he sailed the globe. He was in the South Pacific. He'd been to Chile, North Africa. He knew all about the Haitian Revolution, which was, of course, the only successful slave revolt in history. And he was in a position to demonstrate to Mariah Stewart that the idea of natural superiority of white people, which of course was the kind of law of the land in the US, that it was just a lie. Uh, And so he would say, you know, if you look at the diversity of race and ethnicity and accomplishments in the rest of the world, where white people were ruling and in some cases weren't even known, you'll see what a lie white supremacy is. So, oh, and then just one more thing to your question, Um, Of course, William Lloyd Garrison was her publisher, so that was tremendously influential, um, having somebody willing to publish her work.
0: Yeah, one of the many excellent points in this book is when you discuss the origins of abolitionism. You draw the origins to the Revolutionary War. Can you talk a bit about Black revolutionary liberalism? Uh, Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, So...
1: In the Revolutionary War period, everyone in the colonies was talking, reading, and writing about the revolutionary liberalism of John Locke, Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Paine, the theory of rights, freedom, democracy, all those ideas that underwrote the Revolutionary War. The Declaration of Independence was printed in newspapers and it was read aloud from the balconies of public buildings to crowds of people. And this included African-Americans, many of whom fought for the colonies in the war, hoping to gain their freedom. So when the war ended uh, and the U.S. Constitution was ratified, instead of abolishing slavery, um, as those uh, black veterans and many others had hoped, that founding document institutionalized slavery in the very first article With the Three Fifths Compromise, depriving rights to those who are enslaved and handing power to the slaveholding states. It's really um, just so so distressing when people talk about, oh, the Constitution, there's a Constitution that, you know, we need to read these documents, we need to understand what they say. Uh, So, you know, African Americans, including Mariah Stewart, denounced this hypocrisy and they created what I would call a fully consistent enlightenment philosophy, granting rights and freedoms to all men. Would it be okay if I read a little quote from her? Please. Okay, she writes, I wish I could do this in her voice. She writes, um, all the nations of the earth are crying out for liberty and equality. Away, away with tyranny and oppression. Shall Africa's sons be silent any longer? This is the land of freedom. The press is at liberty. We claim our rights. So um, this this is Black revolutionary liberalism, a political theory that calls baloney on the colonists' talk of being enslaved by the British because of unfair taxation and representation, while at the same time truly enslaving millions of human beings.
0: And that's really still going on, isn't it? It's still going on. It's
1: absolutely still going on. I mean, uh, you know, you think of what's happening in the Congress about voting rights and state after state about voting rights and redistricting and deliberately disenfranchising African-Americans, it's really a travesty. It's really, um, you know, it's heartbreaking and it's unjust.
0: It is, and it's, it's so great because this book really connects the past to the present in that way, in a a very profound way. Can you describe or summarize Mariah W. Stewart's philosophy? Sure, Um, well, hers is a liberation
1: philosophy that ties the practice of living a righteous life as an individual and in communities with a commitment to political activism in the name of freedom. It's tied to what some contemporary philosophers, particularly Leonard Harris, uh, calls insurrectionist ethics. And that's a movement that holds that there's actually a duty to fight back when full humanity is, is denied to entire groups of people. Uh, for example, as in um, incarceration in the US today, it's not really about individual wrongs, rather it's about social systems that work to shrink instead of promote human flourishing,
0: the flourishing of every human being. I am particularly interested in the history of women's rights and Black women's activism. This book addresses both of these women's history themes, and I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't know about the role that Mariah W. Stewart played in women's history. What advice do you have for other professors who want to include her in their courses?
1: Oh, sure, thank you for that question. I mean, Stewart's a founding sister of Black Feminist Theory. Um, she's, you know, a founder of Black intellectual thought in in the United States, and she should not be neglected any longer by teachers at all levels of education. She provides these searing gender critiques fifteen years before the eighteen forty eight Seneca Falls Women's Rights Convention. And that's typically taken to mark the beginning of the women's movement in the US. Um, we need to look prior to that. Everyone from scholars to schoolchildren uh, knows about the women's suffrage movement, but very few have heard of Mariah W. Stewart. She asks in her writing, why shouldn't women be ministers, intellectuals, public speakers, employed in business? Why shouldn't uh, all black people be allowed to have an education at the highest levels? What kind of society, she asks, is structured to rob women and girls of their sexual virtue, um, which is a nice way of uh, putting what was going on. Why don't we know about, for example, the accomplishments of Black people historically and across the the globe, including women. Her essays are very accessible to undergraduates and high school students and casual reader. Um, I'd recommend her 1832 Franklin Hall lecture, which is sometimes called Why Sit Ye Here and Die, or her 1833 Masonic Hall lecture on African rights and liberty. And for college students and the average general reader, of course, I'd recommend my book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's terrific. Yeah. My, and my favorite Mariah W. Stewart quote from your book is quote, Oh woman, woman, your example is powerful. Your influence is great. I love that. I want it on a t-shirt. <laughs> I, I really, I, can you
1: explain the context of that quote? Okay. We'll have to get this printed up. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, um, Stewart's call to woman here is um, a precursor of the Black Women's Club movement of the 1890s and the 1900s that reaches even today into the Black sororities movement that boosted people like Vice President Kamala Harris. Um, Her words resonate with those of Anna Julia Cooper, who in the 1890s wrote, um, only the Black woman can say when and where I enter in the quiet undisputed dignity of my womanhood without violence and without suing for special patronage, then and there the whole race enters with me." This famous quote acknowledges the many important roles that women have in working toward um, liberation and um, equality.
0: The book takes an intersectional approach. Can you talk about how Stewart is one of the first intersectional feminist writers?
1: Sure. And I have I've written papers over the years saying, you know what, we need to go back to Mariah Stewart. This doesn't start in, um, uh, you know, the 1980s or 90s with Kimberly Crenshaw, although I give her a ton of credit. Um, yeah, she's acutely aware of gender oppression. And as a black woman, she understands the horrors of racism. And as a former domestic servant, she's she's very keenly aware of how class functions uh, to keep people uneducated and exhausted from excessive excessive labor. That's the definition of intersectional, an awareness of the way race and class and gender function together to oppress people. So um, she provides an analysis based on an understanding that you know, people today write about, people like bell hooks, Audrey Lorde, Angela Davis, Crenshaw, even Stacey Abrams or Michelle Obama, or Ava DuVernay and so many others that that intersectional analysis is at the core of black feminist theory. Yeah, and you
0: describe Stewart as beautiful, but there aren't any pictures of her in the book. I looked, I kept looking okay. to say, am I going to see her on the next page? I kept wanting to see that, you know, like, there's some kind of yearning for that. I know there are not always images of figures from the 1800s, particularly of people that aren't really famous, but she lives until 1879. Were you able to find any pictures of her? Oh, how I wish I had a
1: photograph of Mariah W. Stewart. Um, you know, Uh, And by the way, she is described, you know, not just by me, but by people who know her as being a beautiful young woman. Um, I'd love to see a picture. A number of us have searched. I haven't given up. The Internet turns up a photograph that is not Stuart. If I could just reach out and obliterate that photograph from the Internet, I would do so right now. um, Because it's just reused over and over again. And if we had a picture that was Ashley Stewart, then you know we could counter that incorrect information. Uh, she ended her life at the Freedman's Hospital in Washington, DC. I keep hoping that we might um, find even a group photograph that uh, Stewart would appear in. She was a matron at the uh Freedman's Hospital. I'll keep looking and you know, for any other people out there who want to join in the search, please, please do.
0: What would you say Mariah W. Stewart's impact has been? Well,
1: you know, she did not have a lot of impact immediately after she wrote and for, uh, for many, many years and even more than a century. But um, since the late 20th century, people have really been paying attention to her. Um, and I think it's greater today than ever. And I think it's growing. Uh, I'm just one of many philosophers working on Mariah Stewart, including people like uh, Jacoby Adeshi Carter, Jamelia Shorter-Boranud, Natifa Green, Christy Dotson, uh, and quite a host of other people who I'm happy to say are researching and writing about Stewart and her life and and her philosophy. So every day she's increasingly recognized for her astonishing intellectual contributions. I actually think she'll be a household name within the next 10 years or so, maybe overturning the, um, shall we say, epistemic violence of the past.
0: Oh, let's let's hope, you know, really, I think she really deserves, so deserving of the attention uh, and appreciation of her writing and what she contributes intellectually, really do. Well, we've taken up a lot of your time. Do you have another project that you are working on? Well, right now
1: I'm working with my co-editor, Carol Conway, on a new preface for our 2007 book, Black Women's Intellectual Traditions, Speaking Their Minds. And that book is about to be republished. It's available now, but it's going to be republished with a new preface uh, by Brandeis University Press. Um, This is the book that won the award from the Association of Black Women Historians. I'm so proud of that, as is Carol. This year marks the 15th anniversary of that publication. And in light of the current black women's activism in the Black Lives Matter movement, the African-American policy forum and so on, we really believe that that book speaking their minds is just as relevant today, if not more so than when it was originally published.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, That sounds like a wonderful project. I want to thank Kristen Waters for joining me on the show today. i really enjoyed our discussion of Mariah W. Stewart and the Roots of Black Political Thought, published by University of Mississippi Press. Until next time, on New Books in Women's History, this is Jane Semecka. Keep reading. Thank you so much,